Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy for Me. And I've got a sneaking suspicion that this week's is going to be kind of the archetypal um, TFM. It's going to be like the template of TFMs. It's going to be if somebody wanted to know how to do TFM in the future, then then this might be the one that encapsulates everything that there is to know about TFM. I might also be talking nonsense, but I've got a list of five things that I want to talk about. And just looking at them, it felt the most TFM list I've had for a while, if that makes sense. Anyway, let's crack on with a bit of that twangy guitar. I've been meaning to mention this for a couple of weeks because it actually happened a couple of weeks ago and for whatever reason I've kept forgetting when I've been doing my kind of uh, collection of thoughts before I start recording and it's just that moment that encapsulates how bonkers we appear to have got as a society where we've actually sort of found ourselves in terms of our habits and the ramifications of our habits. And it's a simple thing. It's not anything particularly mammoth. And when I get to the end, you might think, why the hell is he talking about this? You know, that doesn't seem to be worthy of any kind of uh, any kind of comment. But it stuck with me ever since it happened. I thought it was ridiculous and just an example of how bonkers, you know, the system now is to a certain extent. And it's, and it's stuck with me ever since. And, he said, and basically, before I went to America, I ordered a couple of cables from Amazon. Uh, it was a couple of um, USB, um, standard USB to USB-C cables. And for whatever reason, we needed one. Uh, the, uh, one of the kids was scrabbling around the house for one. And I thought, right, well, I'll, I'll order. We found a way around it, but I thought, well, I'll order one. And then they were in a double pack, so I thought, I'll order the, the double pack. And it was, it was under six quid. Okay. So in of itself, that in of itself, that's how bizarre we are that I can order two cables and actually for the price of one I can order two and they can come and they can arrive at my door and I can pay six pounds for two of them. So straight away that, that, that you don't need to be say me to tell you any more about how um screwed up the world is that, that that's a thing. Okay. Uh, when you when you're paying when you go out and pay a fiver for a drink and actually I can have two cables delivered for anyway, forget that. It, as it turned out, we we found one. We found one in the house, and this this these two cables remained in my office untouched. And when I got back from America, I thought this is this is crazy. They might as well go back. That they're, they're just going to be wasted if I don't um, if I don't um, sort of send them back. Um, and as much as it didn't, in, in some respects, it didn't make any sense. I worked on the assumption there might be a there might be an Amazon van passing or something, or I might be able to drop them off somewhere where there's going to be a multiple collection, and so forth. So therefore, it just feeds into another thing. I'm quite happy to take them to court, get them sent back. Theoretically speaking. At least there's there's a kind of a a, a reuse a, a circularness to the uh, to the transaction. So I go to uh, do the return on Amazon. I click on the return, and it asks me why, and I say they're they're they're, they're not required anymore. And I click through, and the next thing is I get an email from Amazon saying that's great, all sorted. We've credited your Amazon account with the balance. At which point it said, by the way, you don't need to send them back. And this is the bit that then completely threw me because where are we as a society if something like that that's been sent out 
and there's not enough profit in that transaction. There's not enough about, to warrant actually even them going back. They would rather refund me and tell me to keep the cables, which, by the way, I've now given to the charity shop, um, other than actually even me depositing them somewhere where they, they effectively go back in a, a whole box of things because actually the cost of resorting them and reporting them back in a bin somewhere and what have you means that it's not actually worth doing. There's something very, very wrong with where we are as a society if that's where we've ended up. Tuesday. Apropos of absolutely nothing, I'm going to talk to you about Wilf Lunn. Okay. Now, for those of you who are assimilated to me and have grown up in the UK, you will know who Will Flunt is. And if you don't know who he is by his name, you would know him if you saw him. And he was a guy that did a load of kids' TV's programmes in the sort of 60s, 70s and 80s. And he was an inventor. And he used to invent crazy things and he used to make props and do all manner of things. And he would come on and do daft things with bikes and all manner of things and, and, and clothing and hats and all and, and this, that and the other. And he was a regular. He'd have these little five-minute slots back in the day when you kind of had these kind of programmes for kids that were like magazine programmes, effectively. They were, so you had half a dozen different things. It was a half-an-hour programme and there'd be stuff in there to keep kids entertained. And he would have a five-minute section on a, on a programme like that. And the reason why I'm talking to you about Wilf Lund is because he died. He died in uh, December of last year. And I he, he was from Rastricht, which is near Huddersfield. And you would often see him in Huddersfield. In fact, he used to frequent uh, the Cafe Nero that I go into in Huddersfield quite a lot. And, you, and so it would not be unusual to see Wilf Lund in there. And he had a very distinctive profile, very distinctive kind of 60s glasses he wore, very distinctive moustache, which he kept all the way through to the end, quite eccentric in his clothing choices. And and so I was used to seeing Wilf Lund around, right? Okay. So next thing, um, an email drops into my inbox uh, from Christian Payne, documentally, uh, who I've mentioned a few times before, and he's a, and he's a fr- I'm very, um, you know, please say his friend. And he was fascinated by Wilflon and went to Wilflon's house to do an interview with him. And I knew nothing of this. I knew nothing of Christian's fascination with him. I do, knew nothing of the fact that he'd been and he got a two-hour interview that w- was is available to listen to, which I've never listened to, but I will now listen to, having having been alerted to it. And he just popped into one of his newsletters just as a, I remember when this happened. Okay, So we've got the, this guy who was born actually just down the road from James Mason, a new James Mason, would you believe? Um, and actually got his break, I believe, through James Mason's agent. I was introduced to an agent by James Mason or the Mason family, um, who I used to regularly see around, who then appears to be um, somebody that Christian was uh, uh, interested in as well and was touched by in his youth. And final thing, same birthday as me, born on the 20th of March. So apropos of absolutely nothing... Now was the perfect day to mention Wilf Lund. Wednesday. I mentioned before that I've started running slower in an effort to try and turn my running into more of a fat-burning exercise than a cardio exercise. I have been running slower. And there's been a couple of things that have come out of running slower. Uh, One is that I'm actually enjoying it a little bit more. Um, actually, there's, there's three or four things that come out of it. I am enjoying it a little bit more. 
I don't seem to be wearing my trainers in quite the same way. No idea why that would make any difference. I'm taking the same number of steps, but there's obviously something about my gait or what's happening with running slower that means that I'm not I'm not hitting the ground. They're wearing more even, uh, if that makes sense. So something's happened happened there. I'm not as tired. Um, I would go on. I would go on runs, and if I'd run to a higher heart rate, then I'm assuming that I've, I've exerted myself more, and so I would feel more tired after a run. I'm feeling less tired after a run. But the the thing that I was going to mention because it happened today was that I I I ran. I did an eight mile run last week. I've done an eight mile run this week. I haven't done a, a run as long as that for for quite a while. Probably seven eight months since I've run uh, that kind of distance. I've never been somebody that's gone past about nine. In fact, I think the longest run ever is nine and a half miles. I never actually got to the giddy heights of ten. But I feel like I could do ten miles now. I feel like when I stopped running today at eight miles, I could have carried on going. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't at the point where I was desperately trying to get to the end. I could have easily could easily have run a bit uh, a bit further. Um, and so I had this amazing run. I, I, I was in London, amazing run that, that kind of was my sightseeing run. Because I set off um, just off Holborn on Kingsway and then I ran through I ran through Covent Garden. And I ran through Covent Garden and then through into Leicester Square. Uh, and then down towards Piccadilly Circus, and then down and back through to Trafalgar Square, and then double back down the Mall, went as far as as Book House, um, did a left at Book House, and then came all the way back and saw Westminster Abbey. Uh, obviously, having seen Westminster Abbey, I saw Big Ben and the Houses of Parliament. I then ran along the river past Millbank, carried on going, uh, crossed the river a bit further down and then and then did the, the long run along the south bank on the way back. So the, the first thing I passed of any consequence... Well, you, you, you run as far as the either MI5 or MI6 building, the one that we've all seen in James Bond. So you go past that building. And then you keep coming back, uh, past some hotels. Um, and then it's County Hall, then it's the London Eye. Oh, I did the Tate, actually, the original Tate uh, on the other side of the river. Uh, you, you come past, back past uh, London Eye, you do the, the South Bank, um, then you you do the uh, the Tate Modern, um, you do the, um, the, the Millennium Bridge that goes over, then you've got St Paul's, and then I headed, I worked my way back down to the river and came all the way along the river and then back up. Uh, and along through um, uh, crossing the Strand and and then up into Kingsway. So actually, um, and I saw the Tower of London in the different distance, and I saw the Shard. So you actually see an inordinate amount of the the sights of London in that in that one sort of run. But the other thing it's got me into now is whether I've I've started to whisper that half marathon word. Whether I actually could start to work my way to a half marathon. And I'm saying it out loud because every time I've whispered it in the past and not said it out loud, it's never gone anywhere. So I'm saying it now just to think that maybe in the next few weeks I might try and do a nine miler. And they say when you train that you shouldn't, if you can train up to 10 miles, you should be able to do a half marathon because you will get through the rest of it on the day. So I'm kind of half, half looking for suggestions for a very flat half marathon with a view that I might, might, just might give it a go. Thursday. About, well, there's some disagreement on this, but I'm going to say about three years ago, um, we started a jigsaw. We started a jigsaw of um, the London tube map. 
And we're not avid jigsaw people, right? So we do occasionally do a jigsaw. And what we'll do is we might do one and we might get really into it. And then we might start a second and that might be a drag and then we might stop. And then two, three, four years later, we might get another one out. Okay. Uh, and we found this this jigsaw in a charity shop, and it's the tube map. I've all the tube map's always been a special thing for me. I love the tube map. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, in fact, what I'd really like to see, and I'm sure you can get it, is I'd love to see a cross section of London to see exactly the heights of the tubes and where they all fit together. Because I'm quite fascinated by the whole mechanics of it. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about now. So we've got this jigsaw of the tube map, okay, with everybody else on the fight. Genius, yeah, wonderful, right, and. We started from the middle out. So normally with a jigsaw, you would probably do the outside and you would probably work your way in. We started middle out because that's where all the map was. What we didn't notice when we started this jigsaw particularly was on a, it's on a white background. And it was only when we got towards the end of all the pieces with detail on them, we realised that it was about 150, 170 pieces left and they were all white including pretty much every one of the outside pieces and then, a, you know, essentially three pieces in almost all the way around this thousand piece jigsaw are all white. And it was only when this struck us that we were like, right, OK, let's 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 give it a couple of days. and We'll come back to it. Right. It's been under it's been on a board under the sofa in the lounge for that period of time. And. For whatever reason, Alison got a jigsaw out that was one of Jack's and did this jigsaw the other day, 300-piece one, did it in an hour or whatever it was. And um, then said, actually, I'm going to do a proper jigsaw. And she'd been given one for Christmas. I think she'd actually asked for one for Christmas, actually. I don't know if this is some kind of, you know, thing, activity to, to stave off possible dementia. I'm not quite sure what drove um the 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 requirement for a jigsaw it might just be down to the fact that you literally don't need anything so in a, in a world where you don't need anything a jigsaw is as good as anything else um so she she's got a yin that she wanted to do this jigsaw and she said right okay i want to do this jigsaw i need the board right no problem and i then said you can't have the board we haven't finished the last one which then started a, a relatively fractious conversation. Actually, it wasn't that fractious, but you know what I mean, about which resulted in me digging my heels in and saying, no, we're going to finish it. Why are you going to finish it? We can't, just because the going has got tough, yeah, we can't abandon it. So for the past two days, uh, I've transferred uh, the jigsaw onto the uh, table in the, uh, in the kind of the kitchen. And we now, we are doing about, on average, about two pieces an hour. Um, because essentially you have to try pretty much every piece in every space. And I know you're going to say, well, yeah, you can look at the pieces and work it out. Yes, you can, but not when you've got this many left. Now, I've actually, to be fair, the, it's got slow again because I've managed to do all the outside. So we now have a frame around it, and we've just got these big blocks of white to fill in. And I don't know how long it's going to take, but I am determined, determined that we do this before we move on. <laughs> Do you see what I mean about the kind of TFM template? Are you getting the kind of vibe that this is kind of a, you know, if you wanted a TFM to give to somebody to say, this is this is the essence of TFM. But then you're going to say to me, no, it isn't though, because you've not got ranty, have you? You've not got ranty about, oh, there's not been any politics. Aha, aha, I say. I say that this morning I woke up to the results of two by-elections. 
And I say that yesterday the country dropped into recession and I say that inflation's flatlining as of Tuesday. I think it's been a big politics week. What I am going to say about all of this, and I'm not going to... Look, Keir's not had a great week and Keir is going to come under far more scrutiny because that's part of what the right-wing media is going to do because they've nothing left. They've absolutely nothing left. There's no redeeming features at all of what's going on with the Conservative Party. So they are going to pick and they're going to pick and they are going to pick and they are going to find some real random way-out stuff to try and attack and stick to Starmer, which is going to be difficult because I think genuinely he is a, a, a decent, upstanding guy. He might make some political mistakes because everybody makes political mistakes because in the goldfish bowl that they're in, they're just, it's just, it is just what happens. But some of the stuff I think they're going to try and get to stick to him, I think he's going to be quite unpleasant, if I'm being perfectly honest. And it's going to be very, very, very loose. Very, very loose. Um, but I think what we've got to remember is that we need to stop getting uh, too confident and too blasé about days like today. We've had two amazing election by election results with two huge swings in them one of which uh, John Curtis said was the second most impressive swing ever in a by-election and it's all pointing to elect- electoral Armageddon uh, for the for a party that needs kicking out but we can't take our foot off the gas because at the end of the day this is what you would expect with a by-election result they do things like this you know the fact that opposition or rather incumbent government politicians will say this is what happens in a in a by-election they are absolutely smack on right we need to follow this through they need to be kicked out of office the last however long has been a travesty they are a deeply unpleasant group of people who have brought in a deeply unpleasant style of politics and it needs to go and we need to get back to something that is far closer to decency than what we have at the moment and if you want an example of that then listen to the, some of the debates that are going on in the Lords at the moment and what a lot of the Lords feel about this Conservative Party because the fact of the matter is they're not conservatives in the way that I understand them to be or the way a vast majority of the the, the electorate understand them to be and it just needs to go and be sorted and with that I'm thinking this is pretty much a you know a resounding TFM template Uh, I hope you well I hope you had a good week um and i hope you've got some nice stuff planned for the weekend uh no idea what we're doing yet but a bit of junior football but other than that uh, on sheffield united at home other than that not a great deal planned we'll see what the uh we'll see what the weekend brings but stay safe keep well i'll speak to you soon if you've enjoyed therapy for me then please subscribe and share as you see fit This has been an A Short Stories production.